You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody. Devin here, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast. And I'm really excited to have my homie, my friend, uh, comrade here, Adam O'Dell, with us today so that we can chat about 1031 exchanges. Um, It's a topic that I like, I think I know more than the average bear because I've been in this industry Mm -hmm. for a decade, but I don't really know a ton. So um, I'm really excited to get to chat with you and kind of dive deeper on, you know, a lot of the stuff that I don't know. And there's, there's a lot of folks out there that I think are unaware um, that this is a thing that even exists that oh. could help save them a ton of money on taxes. Absolutely. And also excited to hear some of your insight on what maybe might be changing. And, yes, some big changes, potentially. Um, yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know who you are, why don't you share a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do for a living? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm Adam O'Dell with the Gordon Law Group. Uh, I have been an attorney uh, with the firm now for going on six years, uh, focus on estate planning, business planning, asset protection, tax strategies, uh, really helping uh, people maximize their money and making sure that it ultimately gets to the people that they want it to go to mm-hmm. and protecting that asset throughout their lifetime, throughout the, the beneficiary's lifetime. So uh, we work uh, mainly out of Nashville, but we have offices in Greenville, South Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we also just opened one up in Orlando, Florida. So anybody wants to go to Disney World, let's go. Um, but uh, service clients nationwide, uh, we've got a large network of attorneys that we work with that we can kind of get you in front of somebody if we need to uh, in your area or if the appropriate strategies work uh, right. Since we're dealing a lot with tax law and federal law, you know, being able to work out of just here out of Nashville and do things through Zoom. Yeah, I so. hear that Southern twang in your voice. Yes. Are you... <laughs> Yes. Are you born and bred in the South? I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Yes. I was uh, born and raised in South Carolina. I uh, went to the Citadel for undergrad, University of South Carolina for law school. So I'm a Southern boy truly at heart. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, so you've been, has this been the only kind of law you've ever really practiced is like focusing on the estate planning or Generally, like how did you how did you end up going in that direction? Right. So someone in my age bracket generally doesn't go into the estate planning realm. Yeah. We try to be in the sexy litigation. Uh, but uh, this was really the thing that I wanted to do the most. Uh, in law school, I did work for the state. I did white collar crime and public corruption per, uh, prosecution. So got really in depth with uh, securities fraud and uh, dealing with a lot of money matters. So that kind of went hand in hand with enjoying the preserving of wealth and creation of wealth. Mm-hmm. And so my family background, I have kind of the, the haves and the have nots. I've had the family members who have not planned at all, who have done just disastrous lack of planning that has adversely affected the family. Yeah. And then I've got sides of the family who have done really good jobs of preserving our generational wealth and helping you know, the family really you know, thrive when otherwise families would fall apart during death and through uh, accidents and illnesses and that sort of thing. So having seen that as a child, I wanted to do that for other people Mm -hmm. to know that I can avoid the pitfalls that have happened in my family, but I can also share in the joy that the family members who have planned and what benefit I've been able to receive and the rest of the family has been able to receive, I can now give that to other people. Mm -hmm. And so I can provide them peace of mind 
through the appropriate legacy planning so that they know everything that they've worked so hard for will be secure. Right on. That's super cool. That's fine. So this, the subject of the day, the 1031 exchanges, uh, for folks who have no idea what a 1031 is, can you just kind of give us an overview what it is yes. and how it works? Absolutely. So without boring everybody with all the tax mumbo jumbo that us attorneys really like to enjoy, uh, 1031 exchange is a like kind exchange, meaning that you're taking one asset and you're using the gains from that asset to purchase another asset. And that asset has to be real estate. So selling a primary residence, selling a rental home, whatever the real property may be, you can roll over the gains, the growth of that asset during your time holding it and put that into another piece of real property and not pay any capital gains on it. That's awesome. Yes. And how many times can you do that? Currently, indefinitely. So working just uh, finished up with an event right before this one. Uh, One of the other attorneys said that they have been rolling forward through 1031 exchanges since 1993 for a client. An original $200,000 investment is now a $5 million investment. Whoa. And they have never paid capital gains on it. They've done it 14 times on the same original investment. Wow. That's crazy growth. So no capital gains. I've never paid the first first tax. And can that be done indefinitely? So as the law sits currently, you can continue. Caveat. caveat <laughs> got to caveat everything because there are some potential changes that are coming. You can continue that until death. Okay. And what we have now is called a step-up basis. So if you, let's use that gentleman as an example, $5 million, he passes away. He leaves that to his children. They now receive it at that $5 million basis. So if they turn around and sell it, They've got no capital gains because their basis, what they've received the asset at, is now five million instead of dad's two hundred thousand that he originally set up. Wow! So no taxes ever. Wow, that's crazy. So I know we're dangling the the carrot a little bit about you know some of the changes that are coming, and I want to get into that in just a little bit. But uh, in terms of like the steps how a 1031 transaction works and what like kind means. I really want to get into that because I've had like, here's an example. Um, I had a client years ago when I was working as, you know, like a residential real estate agent and they had an investment property that they wanted to exchange for other investment properties. Um, And they were selling one was a short-term rental and they wanted to do a 1031 into long-term rentals. I have a, a client currently who has basically inherited uh, its vacant land mm-hmm. and he's wanting, and it's for the purpose of investment, wanting to 1031 it into other investment, mm-hmm. but like where are kind of the, maybe some of the, the rules with how like kind does it have to be? So pretty, so unfortunately 1031s are very strict. So it does have to be truly like kind in terms of real property for real property. Now the type of real property you've got a little bit of wiggle room with. Okay. Now uh, the key to any 1031 exchange is the IRS, Uncle Sam. The moment you have the money is the moment you realize the gain. 
So there's a time frame when you sell a piece of property and then you are looking to invest that into another piece of property. So it has to be, you know, if you have a million dollar asset, you have to buy a million dollars worth of real property. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that can be spread out a little bit. It can be multiple properties. It, there's ways that you can structure that deal as long as you're within the confines of all the money's being used for that asset or those assets. Um, but it can't be used to purchase a lower asset. So if you sell a half million dollars and you buy a $250,000 quarter million, quarter million dollar asset, and then you want to use the other quarter of a million for improvements. Yeah. Gotcha. You have to structure that deal where you've already done the improvements. And then now you're buying the asset at the half million dollar new mark gotcha. for you not to realize any gains. Um, so as long as it's real property, we can probably structure it the right way. Gotcha. Um, just always remember the moment that money's in your hands, you have realized the gain. It doesn't matter if you plan on 1031ing it. So time frame, uh, generally when you're selling a piece of property, you have 45 days to determine whether or not you're going to 1031 it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then say 45, then you have a 90 day period and then 180 day period. So there's all, you know, Uncle Sam gives you several bites at the apple to do it. As long as you haven't realized that money in your own personal account, in your own name. So leaving it in escrow. Gotcha. We can probably fix it. Just have to make sure that you haven't touched the money at any point. Gotcha. But if you actually like put the money in your pocket, then you're, you're done. You're up you, a creek. You can't fix it. Mm. Okay. That's important to know. Like yes. when you, yes. <laughs> when you can't fix it. Um, so, okay. And like, I'm familiar with some of those time frames. just, you know, having been an agent and, and helping investors before. So in that 45 day period, if you identify mm-hmm. what you're going to purchase, like that's pretty good. Yes. What the additional windows, are there like stipulations for those? I'm not very familiar with. There are. So particularly as the real estate market is right now, uh, where, you know, you've got an offer in, but there might be middle Tennessee, 32 offers coming yeah. in all at the same time. Yeah. So sight unseen, people are coming in from California, full cash, just throwing it down. There are windows there that's like, okay, well, you tried to complete, but it didn't work. So now you've got 90 days to fix it. And then ultimately there's 180. So as long as you have identified an asset you are attempting, IRS is working with you a little bit on making sure that you complete it and that you're going through the steps instead of just, you know, oh, I'm just going to kick the can down the road and see how playful I can be. No, we need to actually have something designated within 45 days. The 90 days gives you a chance to, to close. You might not be able to close in 45 days. Gotcha. Um, it's now just allowing you to have the, the process that real estate can take sometimes. Mm-hmm. Around here, not so much 12-day closes. <laughs> things what they're looking for. So this is like, this is a process that people really need to seek counsel yes. with. Yes. So you, your eyes got real big when I said that. Like you need, you know, an attorney and an accountant and... Or what do you think? Just depends. Um, so if you have a, a CPA, a tax strategist that you work really well with, they are more than capable of doing this. Working with uh, your closing attorney might be able to do it. Uh, some of them, particularly around here, do the 1031 exchanges as well as the closing. Mm-hmm. Um, using a tax attorney or using any kind of attorney who's well-versed. Uh, they don't have to necessarily be a tax attorney, but there are attorneys that, you know, yes, I can handle your 1031 exchange. And so you want to work with either that CPA tax strategist or with that attorney to get it done, relying upon your own uh, understanding of it, unless you're just very well-versed is probably not a good idea. Uh, like I said, I just got, got in from an event and a real estate agent was like, well, I, I didn't realize we could do this and they've already received the money. Can we fix it? They're paying. Sorry, too late. Uh-huh. Um, 
So there are some real estate agents that can probably do it. You know, I know some attorneys who are also real estate agents and they help everybody through the whole process from open to close, kind of a package deal. Yeah. Uh, so those are good ways to do it. But yeah, definitely seek out the appropriate counsel when you're talking about saving potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in yeah. taxes for some people. So like for our clients, WealthCap clients, I'm, I'm thinking of um, in particular, they may live all over the country. Mm-hmm. And if they're, if they happen to be investing in wealth cap properties, those properties could be in any multitude of states. Like somebody in that position, when they're looking for a person, what do you think is best? Like somebody in their backyard or somebody in the state or somebody yeah. more like you that's nationwide or? So using someone who you already have a great working relationship with who knows what they're doing yeah, is always the preferable route because you've got them on speed dial. You're in their inbox already. Working with people you already trust is what I want to see. Um, if you don't have those relationships, then finding either someone that you can work with side by side, because if you're investing in wealth cap, you're probably investing in multiple properties or your goal is to invest in multiple properties. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and having that relationship built with someone that you can come in and speak with them all the time is a wonderful uh, tool for you as the investor to be able to say, OK, I've already got a guy. I've got a girl to go work to mm-hmm. work with. That's what you want. If you know, you're know you out in Timbuktu somewhere and there's nobody around, finding someone in the area that is either you know, nationwide are able to help because we are talking about federal law. Right. So someone that can handle the federal law side of things, you know, they, they don't really have to be anywhere in particular. Gotcha. Um, so there's pro- not as much like state specific. Not for federal stuff. I mean, okay. if you're dealing with taxes, you deal with taxes. Now, if you're a CPA, you have to be licensed in certain areas if you're going to practice. But that, you know, that's on them to kind of figure out and what they can do and what they can't do. Gotcha. So. The dangling carrot about potential uh, <laughs> potential changes that are coming. Uh, what is what's the T? What's the the word on the street? Uh, so, um, and for those that don't know, you know, we've we've talked about basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for those that don't know what basis is, basis is what you buy an asset at. So, when you buy a stock, when you buy a piece of real property, when you you purchase anything, that purchase price that you bought it at is your basis. And so the appreciation is what Uncle Sam is going to tax when you go to sell that asset. So you buy stock at $100, you sell it at $1,000, Uncle Sam wants to tax you on the $900 growth. Um, when you get, when you pass, you have a stepped up basis. So all your beneficiaries, your spouse, they receive it at the new asset level. That's great. That means there's no capital gains when they go turn around and sell your stocks. Uh, we've already seen California has done away with stepped up basis up to a million dollars. So if you have a piece of real property, it's not hard for someone to have an over million dollar piece of property in California. Yeah, it's and, like a shoebox. Yes, there's <laughs> nothing there. So what California has done is said, okay, after a million dollars, there's no stepped up basis. You have capital gains on all the growth after that. Wow. They are, and I say they, the federal government, the proposal is to do away with that stepped up basis, to do away with the 1031 exchange um, outside of half a million dollar growth. So for those people who purchased properties here in the 70s in Nashville, and you know, I know people who bought properties at 19 grand in the 70s now worth 1.3, 1.8. Yeah. That's a huge bit of growth. Yeah. So that 1031 exchange would only give them the first half million dollars. Then they would have the capital gains and everything over that. Wow. And the proposed rate for capital gains now is being proposed up to 43%. So Whoa. right now it's 20%. So it's going to over double for the top long-term capital gain rate. Hey, hey, if you are looking to transition from business owner or employee or 
salesperson or producer, et cetera, to investor, someone who can build long-term wealth without the hassle or the headaches of dealing with all of the downsides that come with real estate, then you should chat with somebody on our team. You can go to wealthcapholdings.com slash book, B-O-O-K dash now, N-O-W. We have a team of licensed advisors who can help put together your game plan with your goals. Where do you want to be? How much passive cash flow do you want per year? And what markets should you be in to maximize your profitability, but at the same time, minimize and mitigate the downside? There's a lot of investment opportunities in the United States right now, but I got to be honest with you that what I've seen a lot of times, people are putting together deals for maximum profitability, but they're not respecting the risk involved in the game. Our team can help formulate a game plan for you, tell you which markets to be in, which ones to hit first, and then potentially if we have a team in that market, even source the deals for you. There's nothing like what we're doing right now. It is top of class in every category. Wealthcapholdings.com slash book dash now. The call is free and the plans will be very, very, very valuable for you. Hope to talk soon. Now back to the show. Whoa. And this is all in limbo right now. Yeah. Right? So like this, this, is, this isn't set in stone. Speculation. Yeah, this, this is all we'll know come this fall when Congress goes back in session and starts working all this out. That's when we'll find out if this is going to go through for next year. Wow. So. Okay, uh, if you were, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but if you were sitting on an asset right now, like, would you try to move it? Or is, I mean, maybe? Maybe. So everybody's, you know, taxes look different. Everybody has kind of different. Yeah. Know, not not the financial advisor here. Um, I got to put that disclaimer out. Yeah. Like every time I talk to anybody, yeah, that's right. I'm like, not, I'm the not, real estate girl. I'm not the financial advisor here. I'm the attorney. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with that caveat, it might might behoove you to move it. Um, you know, with the potential of the estate tax going down to six million for married couples, there are people who are like, oh yeah, I'm going to be well above that. I need to go ahead and start proactively fixing these issues, mm-hmm. um, and that includes everything. That's your real property, your businesses, everything. So you need to start getting things out. Um, you may want to wait just a little bit, maybe, and just find out if we have a little bit more of a understanding of what may happen or what will happen come 2022. But it's time to start getting your your ducks in a row. If you're not going to pull the trigger today, to be ready to pull the trigger in a you know quick time frame. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's like a drastic. Yes. That's like not a small change. That's like a major major change. Yes. Uh. Why? Well, uh, you know, part of it is, um, and don't care about people's politics. I'll put that disclaimer out there too. Um, it is what it is. Uh, the current uh, party in power does have a desire to, you know, fund more social and uh, governmental activities. That money has to come from somewhere. So, if you're wanting to be able to pay for people to go to college to have universal health care, you're going to have to get the money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so much of the majority of Americans are able to defer or completely eliminate their taxes through stepped up basis, through uh, the transference of retirement accounts. So last year, a big change happened with retirement accounts where you can't really leave an inherited IRA to children or anything anymore. So what most Americans have are their primary residence Mm -hmm. and an IRA 401k. Mm -hmm. Well, when you get stepped up basis and inherited IRA 401k, you're leaving a lot of wealth you know, potentially millions upon millions of dollars to children that will not be taxed or will be taxed at a minimal rate. Gotcha. So most of Americans are able to avoid most of these taxes. Well, 
got to get the taxes from somewhere. So you're either getting a higher income tax bracket, which is also a potential, um, or to get it from the generational wealth. And generational generational wealth is where they'll probably hit the hardest. Wow. Huh. So there are obviously some advantages and disadvantages to using a 1031, mm-hmm. like right now as it is. Can you maybe share what you feel like some of the, like what what's the upside, what's the downside? Yeah, so the upside, obviously, you know, I, I just shared the, the person that's kicked out capital gains for 30 years. Yeah. You know, and at the rate we're going, if, if the law doesn't change, we'll never pay capital gains tax on his appreciating asset. Mm-hmm. So that's the benefit is that you're continuously kicking the can down the road, which the top tax bracket right now for capital gains is 20%. So you're not paying 20% on your asset. Now you're getting all the income generated off of it. It continues to grow. You want to go sell this property and buy five more, sell this property, buy five more. Mm-hmm. And all of that's capital gains. And you let them grow. And so you can really create this ma- uh, um, this massive amount of wealth through mm-hmm. real property that you can then leave to beneficiaries, but also have income being generated for you for the rest of your life. And then when you die, okay, kids, spouse, whomever your beneficiaries are, here's all of this wealth that I've amassed and you've paid nothing in taxes in terms of capital gains. Huge wonderful. benefit. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, particularly for people who may have started with nothing. Yeah. So started with very little and now they have millions upon millions in real property and they're leaving it to family and they're they're creating that goal in their mind already that they want to create generational wealth. Now they have the tools to do so. So the downsides. If you do a 1031 exchange, that asset is tied up for two years. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you sell property A, you buy property B uh-huh. through a 1031 exchange, you have to hold on to that property for two years. Okay. If you do not and you decide to sell it or whatever, uh, you will realize all the capital gains from day one. Oh. Yes. So that's the downside is, you know, if you need quick access to this for whatever, you know, Accidents happen, medical issues occur. Right. Well, now you've got a tax hit. Gotcha. So it's the same as like funding a traditional IRA. Well, you've deferred the taxes today, but if you pull it out, it's got tax ramifications. Same thing here. And then, of course, the timelines mm-hmm. in a market like this that we just talked about. If you're like, you know, if you're trying to find stuff in the MLS and you have a time constraint, you're that's a difficult battle right it now. Is. It is. <laughs> it's a really uh, difficult battle for a lot of people to find it just to find a house, period. Yes. So I could see that as another potential downfall too. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, we do have those, you know, kind of breaks where we can kind of, I don't know, let's, let's do it here, let's do it here, let's do it here. So you've got some time, but like you said, it might be really hard to find the one yeah. in the right time frame. Yeah. Like I'm thinking if somebody was trying to 1031 for their primary residence. Mm-hmm. You know, Real like hard. that could be really difficult in this market, depending on where you live. Yes. You know, yes. Um, so if everything changes and the 1031 goes away, what are like some other ways that people can try to, you know, avoid giving is <laughs> everything to Uncle Sam yeah. oh. um, in in relation to specifically real estate investment? Like what are some of the ways that people can so, relate? So, uh, and if I understand correctly, you're just saying, okay, what happens if we don't have the 1031 exchange? What is going to kind of be the process that people have to look to? Well, 
Then you start looking at, you know, some installment sales contracts. I have not heard of anything where that is going to be done away with, but installment sale contracts to, you know, appropriate trust or, or business structures where you are selling to that asset, selling that asset to the trust mm. and through a, and then getting back at a certain rate of return from the trust, the trust can invest that in real property and to whatever you want it to invest in. And then the, the capital gains is whatever the distribution is to you each year. Gotcha. So if you're looking at right now, 20, 000, uh, a 20% tax bracket, well, we could structure where you're only, you're saving 5% in the taxes through that installment sale to the appropriate type trust, where now you're paying 15% instead of 20. And so when you're talking about millions of dollars, 5% savings, pretty good savings. Yeah. So you may not be able to avoid it all, but you could defer out, not indefinitely, but for many years at a a specified rate of return. And within that trust, you can invest in whatever you want. Your trustee, you say, okay, I want to buy 12 properties, buy 12 properties and use the rental income then to pay you for the sale on that installment contract. Gotcha. You're a smart man, Adam. <laughs> when it comes to the taxes. It just depends on what we're talking about in first smart. <laughs> well, with the tax, like a lot, that, a lot of that stuff is where, you know, my eyeballs start to cross and I get hysterical, you know, talking to my CPA. Like, you know, I don't understand this stuff. Um, so... If the 1031 goes away, do you think, like, is it going to go, could it possibly go away completely? Or do you think it's more realistic that it would be adjusted? I think it would be adjusted. Um, what would likely happen, I think, is once everybody starts duking it out in Congress, uh, your primary residence, you'd probably still get the ability to have, you know, the, the larger exclusion for capital gains and the ability to maybe 1031. So your primary residence is probably safe. Um, but for people who are investing in rental properties and secondary homes, that sort of thing, uh, it's going to be limited. You're going to have a, um, a small amount of 1031 and then everything else will be, be taxed more than likely. Wow. Well, but <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Write your no. congressman, congresswoman, senators. I mean, but seriously, though, like that's important. I like, I think a lot of people don't know that this strategy has been there for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now there's the potential of it, of it going away. And a lot of people that could have really benefited from it, maybe don't even know that it's there. So I don't know, maybe there is an opportunity to write your, write your congressman and try to save the 1031. That's like right. Saving the That's whales. Right. Save the whales. <laughs> save the whales. Little save sea the turtles. 1031. Do away with the straws. So if somebody is, let's say they're just learning about this, um, they have whatever, you know, a primary and investment property um, that's got quite a bit of appreciation gain. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking I should take take advantage of this while I know that I have it. What do you think are like the first couple of steps that somebody should really look into if they're considering trying to 1031 a property? Call you to find you some property. Call me to find <laughs> Something to reinvest in. That's right. Well, I'm sold out right now. Uh, so call me next week. Uh, I don't have anything right now. Um, so you think, but actually that's a really good point. Cause I am talking to a client right now who is very familiar with doing a 1031. Mm-hmm. He's done several before, um, knows what his property is worth. He's going to put it on the market in California, knows based on what the market looks like, how quickly it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. So his first step has been to talk with us to identify like his timeline, 
the value, you mm-hmm. know, that's going to need to be reinvested. Um, I, I actually have another client in a similar boat too. You know, it's like, yo, it's going to be somewhere between here and here. Mm-hmm. Can you help me line up that many opportunities given enough runway, which, you know, realistically, I think that's something that we can totally help somebody out with. Absolutely. But those two cases, yeah, they're identifying properties first. Right now, in terms of how quickly the market's going, um, how quickly things are appreciating, uh, you know, just heard from uh, one of my people, they closed mid-May on a property here in Nashville. According to their new appraisal, it's already appreciated another $60,000. Crazy. Just crazy. So having it already identified so that you can pull the trigger quickly is in your best interest since we have that time frame that we have to do with deal with in the 1031. The market being as crazy as it is, it's better to have all your ducks in a row, everything's lined up so that when you pull the trigger, it just goes as smoothly as possible mm-hmm. so that you can get the properties, that you can use the money that you've sold. Now you can retroactively. So if you have to buy the property, but you're waiting on the sale, you can still reverse 1031. So if you've already purchased the property and then you sell um, the primary residence or whatever investment property you were doing, you can retroactively 1031 that. It's just because you haven't received the money yet. Gotcha. You can't do the opposite where I've received the money, I've sold it, I've already bought a new piece of property and now I want to reverse it. So they can contact you, already go ahead and purchase the new property, sell the um, the, the asset they're trying to get rid of and uh-huh. then retroactively 1031 that. So they can do that. I didn't know that you could do that. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more of a workaround. You got to do a little few extra steps, but it is possible. So for those that are like, you have to wait and maybe your property might be on the higher end. So the buyers are more limited. So you might not be able to sell the $3 million house here in Nashville as quickly as the million dollar houses are going, Mm -hmm. but you want to go ahead and purchase. You can do that as long as you're working with someone who's skilled enough in the 1031 to make that happen. That is very good to know. I'm glad that I have Mm -hmm. a smart Happy to help. Like you to, Happy to help. send those questions over to, because I I had never heard that you could do it mm-hmm. in reverse. Yes. That's so, super cool. As long as you haven't realized that money from the original asset, you, you can play some games. Right on. I like that. Yeah. It's a great tool because you know, then you're no longer waiting necessarily. Like if you've got a strike hot right now. Right. You know, there's things that are, are leaving in Nashville before they ever actually hit the market. They're mm-hmm. already sold. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a strike and this is the one you can strike. Right. And, you know, as long as you got the capital available and can do all the, pull all the stops, let's do it. Yeah. Well, and like our inventory is limited, not, it doesn't have as much to do with what's going on in the MLS with owner occupant properties. Cause mm-hmm. what we do is totally different and they're, you know, not advertised publicly, but we have so much demand from investors mm-hmm. that we have, <laughs> we have more investors than we have houses and they're selling out really quickly. Um, so if anybody's listening and you're, you know, thinking that you wanted to 1031, like, please reach out to me mm-hmm. and we can, we can figure it out whether yeah. we need to do it, you know, like future pace and plan out what you're, what you need to exchange and when blah, blah, blah. Or now that I know that we can do it backwards and <laughs> I have somebody that can help with that. Um, we can do that too. Mm-hmm. We can do that too. Is there a limit to the number of properties? Let's say you're selling a million dollar asset and you're going to, you know, use that to purchase four properties, five properties. Does it matter? Nope. As long as you're using all the assets, as far as I know, there is no limits. Okay. And what, 
do you, so say you're selling a million dollar asset and you're buying four 250K assets outright in cash. What if you wanted to buy eight and do like 50% financing on those? Could you do that? Could you have financing? There, yes, so you can have some financing. Okay. Uh, for sure. Um, so obviously, you know, if you had a small house, you know, maybe it was your starter home. It might not be what your forever home is going to, maybe not a, an exact appreciation there. So yes, you can. Uh, there are some limitations in terms of it being a rental property versus primary residence. Okay. Um, but the restrictions aren't so terrible that you can't make it work. Um, it's just you got a few other little boxes you got to check kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, so as long as you structure the deal the right way, you can do that. Okay. So not a DIY thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a DIY. <laughs> not a DIY. Uh, I tell people that about like laying tile and stuff too. Like don't flipping <laughs> houses and all that. It's not a DIY. No. Don't try it at home. Uh, okay, cool. So no limit to the number of properties you can buy. There are limits with timelines that you need to really be mm-hmm. aware of. Get your ducks in a row. What other advice would you give to somebody who's considering? So in terms of, you know, if you're considering the 1031 exchange, be, you know, be very cognizant of the potential tax changes. And so if this is something that you're seriously considering, uh, you might want to go ahead and start talking with your financial advisor. You might want to start talking with your tax strategist, your attorney, and see if now is the time you need to strike. Mm-hmm. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And so you may miss out on the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so take a very... Uh, if you're going to consider it, consider it really hard right now and pray whatever it is you got to do to make the decision. Light a candle. And Light a candle. Do, do a all that. Pray. We'll <laughs> so, pray for you too. Yeah. <laughs> so that way it can all, you know, you mm-hmm. can have that, take advantage of that. There is an argument that they may go retroactively to this year for it. I don't ever see that passing. I've never seen them go retroactively on something um, that would we would see a huge fight about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that how that could. No, it's been proposed, but it's not. People would like throw up arms oh, yeah, and yeah. raise cane and all kinds. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I don't see that happening. That has been thrown out there, but I wouldn't worry about that. Like if that passed, we've got a whole lot of other issues going on with our tax law that everything is anarchy. Right. <laughs> at that point. Super cool. Well, Adam, like I'm so grateful that you were willing to come in and chat with me about this stuff today. Yeah. I learned a lot that I didn't know that like the retroactive thing. No idea. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. Um, So that is really, that's really cool to learn. And anybody that is, if you're listening to the podcast or you're watching this live and you want any kind of help with, you know, the uh, asset protection, anything that Adam can possibly help you with, like how can people get in touch with you? So yeah, they're, they're welcome to uh, reach out on our website, gordonlawgroup.com. They can book me directly there. Uh, they can call the office. Uh, best one probably to get through to me is the Nashville office. So 615-321-0220 or shoot me an email, adam at gordonlawgroup.com. Awesome. And we're happy. If we can't help, we can put you in touch with someone who can. Super cool. And same with us at WealthCap. Like if you're interested in seeing if, you know, um, either some of our turnkey opportunities or any of the other investment opportunities that we have might line up with you. Um, reach out to wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. That will get you on my calendar. Um, or if we can't help you, I can probably point you in the direction of somebody who can make your real estate investment dreams come true. That's right. Yeah. Well, um, awesome chatting with you today, Adam. Yes, and I think me. after we know what's going to happen or not happen or change or not change, 
we should have you back on so we can chat about whatever did or didn't change and what people need to do next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are already tools that if the 1031 goes away, we've got tools to help fix it. So help there's, fix a, there's, it. there's always there's always a back door. That's awesome. Just got, just got to find the back door, find the loophole. Or call Adam because he knows where the back door <laughs> is. Um, awesome. Well, thanks Thank again you. so much. And I look forward to doing it again soon. Absolutely. We- thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.